glad to have the opportunity to share in this uh, series that we're doing on movement, on what is the, what's the difference between an institution, and as Pastor Joe talked about last week, people tend to join institutions for what they can get. But we tend to become a part of a, a movement for what we can sacrifice, for what we can give. And so, uh, this morning, with, with some apologies to folks that I uh, traveled to Honduras with who have heard this story before, but I'm going to tell the story this morning in English instead of in Spanish, and so maybe it'll be uh, a little clearer, hopefully. But I would like to share something of, of my own story that I, that I think helped me to begin to grasp what, what was, what's the difference um, for me, between a, a movement, cooperating with a, God's movement in the world, and, and being a part of, of an institution, which um, sometimes the church can be. And so what I would like to share is a story of, that goes back a number of years, a, a couple of decades, in fact, to the opportunity that I had when I was in seminary to uh, travel to Guatemala, one of the countries in Central America. I got to go with a guy by the name of David Scotchmer. He was a a mission and evangelism professor where I was going to seminary at the University of Dubuque. But before he had um, come to the university, to the seminary, he had worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators, the, the same organization that we're sending a bus trip to in in just about a week and a half, and um, he had worked in the western highlands, in the mountainous area in the west part of Guatemala, um, with a people group called, a Mayan people group called the, the Southern Mom, M-A-M, the Mom, um, translating the Bible into their um, Mayan dialect. And he was there for a number of years, and those were really difficult years for Guatemala. The the 70s, 80s, and, and into the 90s. I don't know. Uh, this is, it's, it's a beautiful place. This is a, a picture of what the, something of what the western highlands of Guatemala look like. There's a whole string of volcanoes that run through that country. And so, in, in contrast to the, the beauty, the physical beauty of the place, and, and the beauty of the, of the Mayan people, there was this terrible civil war that was going on there for for many, many years. And, um, the, and it was especially hard on the poor Mayans in the villages in the countryside. Because the, um, the guerrillas who were fighting the government, those uh, who were opposed to it, they would hide out up in the mountains, and when they needed food, they would come down from the mountains and come into the villages where these uh, poor Mayan farmers lived and demand food, and if they didn't get food, then there would be killings. And they would, they would kill the, the poor Mayan farmers. And then they'd go back up into the mountains. And then the government would come in, and if they suspected a village had been helping out the, the rebels, then they would... Um, scatter the village and bulldoze the whole place, raise the houses, just level it. And so that's what this slide is talking about, this 
26 massacres, 626 massacres. Genocide was the word that was being, that was being used in this slide. And so there was this uh, tremendous number of, of displaced Mayans. Their villages had been destroyed. They were, they were caught in the middle of their, the army of their government and these rebels against the government, and they were the ones who were paying the price. They were being um, killed on both sides, pressed on both sides, and it was a very difficult time. That was the setting in which uh, David Scotchmer worked. So at the time we went, the, the Civil War was, was still going on. It, it had died down some, but it was still going on. There were still a lot of uh, displaced poor Mayans all around, the, um, especially the, the capital of Guatemala City. And so I went with uh, two of my seminary classmates, and we wanted to learn from Dr. Scotchmer what, what it's like to be uh, in mission. How do you do mission in a, another, a, another setting like Guatemala? So we left um, the comfort of the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary. This is Severance Hall, the, the main building there. And we went, down, we went down to the Central American nation of Guatemala. There you see it in the upper left of the slide. And, you know... We had, we had a, a good purpose in going there. We really, you know, we were all church kids and we all wanted to be pastors and, and serve the church. And so we wanted to know, you know, how to go and learn how to help those poor people who live in Guatemala. Because certainly we, have, we had a lot to offer them, we thought, as we were going in to this trip. I mean, we were well-versed in the Scripture. We, we knew that Jesus, that Jesus calls us to, um, to go and make disciples, just like Lori said to the, the children this morning. This is um, the passage that contains the Great Commission from Matthew 28. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw Him, this is the resurrected Jesus. This is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. They worshipped him, and, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, and this is what we say whenever we have a baptism, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. And remember, remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. And so that's what we were trying to learn to do. We were trying to learn how to go and make disciples of, of all nations in Guatemala. So, so I, have a, I have some questions, and this is like an interaction time, so you can just talk out your answers. So do, do you think the Great Commission that we just read there in Matthew 28, do you think that still applies? Is it still valid? Is it still a call that Jesus has for us? Kind of a yes, no, yeah. Kind of an easy one, yeah, yes, no. So, um, so yeah, he does still call his followers to, to go and, and make disciples and to teach and to, and to baptize. And so, here, a follow-up question to that is, what are some ways that you can think of that we might be about living into the Great Commission? What, I, what ideas, what are some ways that you think we, we can be doing that? What do you think, Cindy? 
one person at a time. So as we interact, you don't know if the person that God may use that interaction to launch someone to Guatemala or to China or to some other place that, that God is moving, that God is at work. What else, can, what else do you think? We send short-term mission teams to Honduras. And we have a, a mission team going this summer to uh, Nicaragua. Both happen to be in, in Central America. So yeah, we can go. What, what, what else? Pardon me? We cultivate our own discipleship. Yes, and Bev? We can serve right here in town. We can pray for those who are called to serve both here in town and in other parts of the world. We, and here at Church of the Palms, we have mission partners that we support um, both prayerfully and financially. So we can help support the church, what God is doing, the movement of God in other parts of the world. In that way, we can, we can play a part in living into the Great Commission. And so that's what we wanted to learn about. The, the three of us seminarians who went with David Scotchmer down to Guatemala, where he had worked, because we wanted to learn how we could um, more effectively live out the Great Commission, how we could help those poor people in that other part of the world. But Dr. Scotchmer was a tricky guy. He had a very different plan for us. What he did... He had this series of encounters that he set up. So first, he would take us to the, the kind of the upscale district in uh, Guatemala City, like in Mexico City, called the Zona Rosa. And he would take us to the Biltmore Hotel. And we would have a cup of coffee on the sidewalk at the Biltmore Hotel and watch the beautiful people walking by in Guatemala City. And then that same day, he would take us to a squatter settlement. Mayans whose villages had been destroyed in the countryside and they were setting up these settlements with anything they could scavenge. Uh, no running water and just barely eking by. Then on another day, he took us to the uh, colonial capital called Antigua, Guatemala. Beautiful place. We had lunch at a nice restaurant, very festive go to the market, you kind of get a glimpse of what most tourists do when they go to Guatemala. And then that afternoon, we went back into Guatemala City and we met with some um, representatives of uh, Mayan villages that had been destroyed, whose people had been massacred. They were trying to negotiate with the government to get back to their village. And parked on the street outside, uh, Dr. Scotchmer noticed this uh, a black SUV. It was older than this. This was in the mid-90s when we were there. But it was a black SUV with blacked out windows. And, and he said to us students before we went in to meet with the Mayan leaders, he said, uh, don't turn around and look, but if you notice that black SUV, that's a, uh, that's a death squad vehicle. This house where we're going to meet, it's it's under surveillance by the government and the paramilitaries that work with the government. He put us on a plane and he flew us up north to the country, a region called El Peten, 
where there is this uh, amazing archaeological site of Mayan ruins. So we could appreciate the, the rich heritage and, and history of the country of Guatemala. And then when we came, it's called Tikal. When we came back from Tikal, we went with him out to the, the Western Highlands where he had uh, served for many years doing his biblical translation work. And we spent time among the Mom people as they worked their fields. We worshiped in their churches with them. We stayed, we got to stay in, in homes with them to, to learn more about uh, what the challenges were that they were facing. And so here we had gone there expecting to learn how it was we could help these poor people, but these dissident experiences that Dr. Scotchmer set up for us, they, they, uh, they confused us, they, they unsettled us, they made it seem that the answer was not so clear that we as the North Americans had so much that we could offer to help these uh, impoverished and persecuted Central Americans. No, instead, there was a, a passage a little earlier in the Gospel of Matthew that began that I began to understand in a new way. This is from Matthew 25. And Jesus is speaking here. He's, he, and, and Jesus said, and he holds up this image for his disciples. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd shep separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. The judgment scene that Jesus is describing, the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick. And you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And as we talked about that passage, as we thought about that passage, I began to wonder, you know, with all of these poor Mayan folk in Guatemala that I had seen, who hadn't really brought the hardship upon themselves, they had been sinned against in their own culture. Now, I'm not saying that the, the poor Mayans are, are perfect, that they're without sin. What I am saying is that the circumstances they were in, the difficulties they were experiencing, the challenges they had, was not a result of their own sin, of their own disobedience. Instead, it was the result of a societal sin visited upon them. And so I wondered, having seen this repeatedly over and over again in Guatemala, I wondered, does, does this kind of thing happen in 
my own culture? I mean, is it possible that there are people right here in the United States, right here in Sarasota, that our rich society has wronged? That, that God was calling me to be involved with feeding and offering something to drink and, and shelter and, and welcoming, might the same thing I had seen in Guatemala be happening right here in Sarasota? And I concluded that it was. And I just hadn't been able to see it before because of the, the position that I tend to occupy in our culture. And, and so what I learned from that and what I'm still learning from that experience is that, that a part of what it means to follow God's movement in the world isn't really about, you know, kind of condescendingly helping those poor people over there or out there. But it is about cooperating with what God is already doing to, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and, and house the poor and care for those who are sick and visit those who are in prison. A passage that came to mean so much to me was this other great commission passage that Jesus gave to his disciples just before his ascension. It's found in Acts 1. So when they had come together, when the disciples had come together, they asked the risen Christ, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his authority. And this is the part that I love. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So where were Jesus and his disciples when the Master spoke these words to them? Where, where were they located Physically, geographically, do you know? They were in Jerusalem. And where did Jesus say their witness would begin? In Jerusalem. Right where they were. And so that's what I was convicted of. And that's what I want to put out for all of us this morning is, is to wonder. Is the... The movement of God leading us to sacrifice ourselves for what God is doing right here in our own city. To help to meet the needs of those who don't have enough and to, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and shelter the poor and welcome the stranger in Jesus' name. Is that a part of the movement of God that we are being called 
to sacrifice for in order for that to happen. Right here in Sarasota, you and me, all of us here in this church family, following the movement of God into our own community. Let's pray as we prepare to come to the table. Gracious God, we 